With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer for the low. Welcome to Love you, Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beast Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. Joining me in segment number two, where you're going to have Danny Vietti aboard. He does tremendous work over at CBS Sports. He also does a nice podcast visit on the Wake and Rake podcast, which you're able to find that wherever you get your podcast. I know that he does that with Will Middlebrooks, who does a tremendous job, and he's a former World Series champion of the Boston Red Sox. We're going to be talking about these hot divisional races. We're going to be also diving in on a team that maybe you might be scoffing at a little bit, but it's worth watching towards back half of the season because they have been an insane disappointment, but they've got a very easy stretch run to end the season. We're going to be diving in on that AL West, the NL Wild Card, the NL Central with them and so much more in the final segment. Going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Saturday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Friday. Let's dive into it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. A little bit of cleanup from Thursday as well. The Angels were able to get the job done in that Thursday game by a count of 3-2. to two. I was doing this a little bit in advance with the Greg Peterson experience, but Guardians went 1-13 of 13 with men in squaring position after Cal Quantrill. Through six scoreless as Emmanuel Classe blew the save, giving up two runs in the ninth inning as he had the piecemeal work of the LA Angels actually be relatively solid. And then on Friday, we did see the reversal. The Cleveland Guardians got back online. They get a 6-3 win over the LA Angels, who are now 65-77. and What a sinking ship of a team this has been for the Guardians. You had Logan Allen be able to deliver a really nice start. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Nick Sandlin from there to give up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, including a home run to Logan O'Hoppy. He was able to get his seventh home run of the season, but that'd be pretty much all the offense that we would find from the Angels, who had Griffin Canning get canned after 
going five to third innings, giving up three runs, but bullpen around him did not help out. Colton Ingram gives up a run in an inning. Jose Marte, it was not a Marte parte. He gives up two runs in an inning as Jimmy Irrigan supplies the scoreless inning and Andrew wants pair of outs out of the bullpen, but for the Angels, 0 of 3 with men in scoring position and the Guardians bullpen from there went to work. Emmanuel Classe after blowing the save on Thursday, redeemed himself. He, Ronaldo Lopez, Trevor Steven, all supply a scoreless inning and same Hentages able to get an out of the bullpen as well. DK Network right a pick was on the Reds' money line. Reds just decided that they didn't want to hit with men in scoring position. And Andrew Abbott had some rough luck in this one. 9-4, the St. Louis Cardinals able to get it done as the Cardinals have been able to heat up with their offense. You had Wilson Contreras go yard in the first inning to set the tone. 18th home run season as Abbott on four hits. He allowed six runs, all of which were earned, including that home run from there. He did have Fernando Cruz give up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. DJ Antone gives up a run in an inning. Jason Treve, Derek Law, they both supply a scoreless setting at Buck Farmer. One and a third inning scoreless. For the Reds, pair of home runs in this one off of Drew Rahm, who I thought he was going to have a rough start, and he did. Hunter Renfro, 20th home run season. Nick Senzel is 11th. He lasts three and two-thirds innings, giving up four runs. And then the bullpen went and had five and a third innings shut out from there. Matthew Libertor along with Casey Lawrence combined for two scoreless innings. Andre Pallante, Drew Verhagen both get a pair of outs out of the bullpen apiece. Giovanni Gallegos and Ryan Helsley. They both were able to supply a scoreless inning apiece as the Reds stranded 12 men on base. We're going to look to get a little bit less of the short end of the stick today with regards to write-up picks. Uh, we're going to flush that one and leave it be. What we thought was going to be left be is any hope of Zach Gallon being able to win the Cy Young Award, but he gets himself back in the race on Friday. 1-0. The Arizona Diamondbacks get a win on a blustery day out there in Chicago. Gallon gives up three hits. In nine scoreless innings, just one walk. He was tremendous. As for Arizona, lone run comes in the eighth inning off of Jose Quas, who entered into this game having given up just one run in north of 15 innings for the Cubs. He gives up one run while getting it out of the bullpen. Jameson time was flat out tremendous. Gives up one hit and one walk in six scoreless innings, punching out nine. Julian Merriweather, Edbert Alzley both supply a scoreless inning. Mark Leiter Jr., pair of outs out of the bullpen, but... Zach Allen was just really good in this one, and there was nothing that the Cubs could do. Nothing that the Tigers could do on offense on Friday either. The Chicago White Sox get a 6-0 win as the White Sox have really had the worst record in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. But hey, you know what? They were able to get a win in this one as that improves the White Sox to a record of 17-32 ever since the All-Star break. It has been not great to say the least, but Mike Clevenger was. Seven scoreless innings. And then Lane Ramsey, Brian Shaw both supply a scoreless inning. You had Reese Olsen give up a home run to Yon Moncada. His eighth home run season as Olsen gave up two runs at six and two-thirds innings. He pitched well. The bullpen behind him was not great. Brendan White gives up a pair of runs in his inning work. Tyler Holton was not holding it down. He gave up two runs while getting just an out of the bullpen. Trey Wingenter was able to supply a scoreless inning, though. You did see the Tampa Bay Rays be able to get it done against the Seattle Mariners. 7-4 to four the final as for Seattle. This was not the start that they were looking for from Mr. George Kirby as he allows... Four runs over the course of six and a third innings, including a home run. The race went deep three times in this one off of Kirby. It was Rene Pinto getting his third home run in the last four games. Fourth home run in the campaign. And then Isak Paredes off of Dominique Leon, 29th home run season. And Isaiah Campbell allows one to Harold Ramirez. His 10th for Campbell gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Leon, he gives up a run and an inning in for Seattle. He had three home runs in this one of their own. Taj Bradley serves up a trio as Kyle Raleigh gets his 27th home run season and Eugenio Suarez is 19th and Julio Rodriguez he gets home run number 28 as Bradley goes six and a third innings, allows four runs, and from there, the bullpen did its job. Pete Fairbanks, three strikeouts in a scoreless ninth inning. Sean Armstrong, scoreless inning. Chris Davinsky was able to supply 
a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. You saw the Washington Nationals fall to the LA Dodgers by a count of 8-5, to five, and the Dodgers, they just continue to cover the run line as a favorite. Out of their 86 wins thus far this season, the Dodgers have won by multiple runs 72 times as the Dodgers got a trail of home runs. Max Muncy off of Mackenzie Gore, 33rd home run season. Gore got gored by J.D. Martinez, his 26th home run season. Then Yagike Hernandez get home run number 9 as Gore last four innings, giving up four runs, and then from there, you had Robert Garcia give up a pair of runs and a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Jordan Weems gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen. He lost two home runs before Andres Machado, Jose Ferrar. We combined for a squirrel sending Mason Thompson in and out of the bullpen, and Amos Willingham lowers his ERA to a 675 with two and a third inning scoreless. Meanwhile, for Washington, C.J. Abrams, 16th home run of the campaign that comes off of Evan Sheehan and for Keybetter Wee's home run number 17 of the campaign that comes off of Sheehan as he allowed five runs in four and a third innings including a pair of homers. This game had quite a lengthy rain delay in there as well and the bullpen from there after that delay they had no delay in getting outs. Alex Vesio, one and two thirds inning scrolls. Victor Gonzalez, Ryan Brazier, Evan Phillips, they all lend a scoreless inning in for the LA Dodgers. They've now played north of 69% of their road games to the over. The next closest is the Baltimore Orioles, who have played right around 60% of their road games to the over, and they played another over on Friday. 11-2, they get the job done against the Boston Red Sox. Gunnar Henderson, he was able to have himself a very nice day in this one as he was able to get an RBI triple as he also had Ryan O'Hearn go deep for his 12th home run season off the starter and Tanner Houck and John Schreiber lost a home run to Adley Rushman. 18th home run season for Houck. Gives up five runs in five and a third innings. John Schreiber gives up that home run in one and a third innings. Joe Jacquez, a scoreless inning, but Brandon Bernardino gave up a run without getting a single out and Brandon Walter. Four runs surrender while getting four outs. You did have home run number nine of the season from the catcher spot as Connor Wong was able to go deep off of... Kyle Bradish in this one, but Bradish, other than that, was pretty solid. Getting nine strikeouts, giving up two runs in six innings before Jacob Webb, D.L. Hall, and Ore Lopez were able to lend a scoreless inning. Not a run line cover, but the Toronto Blue Jays, they're able to get a win by a count of five to four. This was a total that closed at nine, so you get a push on this one, and that's significant because with the Toronto Blue Jays, they've been playing a lot of unders at home thus far this season. 59% of their games, as a matter of fact, have one under as Colin Snyder was the opener with two scoreless settings in this one from their Alec Marsha Bolkai, not bad. Six strikeouts, one run surrendered in his four innings before Carlos Hernandez. He goes to 1-10 with a blown, I guess he got holding this one. Three runs surrendered in a third of an inning. Austin, don't call him Dewey Cox, got an out of the bullpen, but a lot of run at Tucker Davidson. He went one in a third inning scoreless. You did have Derion Blanco get his second home run season. That comes off of UCA Kikuchi, and it's home run number two of the campaign for Kikuchi. Gives up just that sole home run over the course of five innings. It's been much better post-all-star break. Meanwhile, Jordan Nix lends a scoreless inning to Mesa, gets it out of the bullpen. Bullpen was a little bit testy here as you had Trevor Richards, Chad Green, both give up a run while getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but Jordan Romano, though he did allow a run, Got the save going one and a third innings, allowing that one run in the ninth inning that if you took the run line, that was rough. The Miami Marlins have been by far the best team in one-run games thus far this season. They're now 29-12 in these such occasions. 3-2, they take down the Philadelphia Phillies. Pair of home runs for Miami in this one. Jacob Sawings, third home run season off of Matt Strom and Sir Anthony Dominguez. Gives it up to Asu Sanchez, the 13th of the season for the other Sanchez, Christopher Sanchez. Not a lot of length, but very solid for the Phillies. Five scoreless settings from there. Sir Anthony Dominguez gives up a pair of runs while getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Matt Strom gives up that home run in his one and a third innings before Andrew Bellotti, Gregory Soto. They both land a scoreless inning and trade Turner down for what went deep off of Iri Perez. His 23rd home run season for Perez gives up two runs of five innings, but 
bullpen from there. Four scoreless innings, Stephen Okert and Renardi combined for two scoreless innings, and then Tanner Scott and David Robertson both lined a scoreless inning of their own. Out west, you saw the San Francisco Giants get it done by a count of 9-8 over the Colorado Rockies as the Rockies they completely imploded in this game. They were up by a count of 4-0, to zero, and then they made like your buddy at the bar and could not close. Ty Block gives up four runs over the course of five innings against his former team, including a trio of home runs. A Giants team has been very breath of offense recently. Got it going here as Mitch Anniger gets his fifth home run in the campaign. Wilmer Flores is 22nd, and J.D. Davis is 17th. A little bit later on off of Matt Cook, you had Blake Subble get his 12th home run of the season for Matt Cook. Gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Jake Birdie. Gave his team the bird, giving up three runs while getting four outs out of the bullpen. Meanwhile, Justin Lawrence, Evan Justice, they both got an out out of the bullpen apiece. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, Nolan Jones goes deep for home run number 15 of the campaign off of starter Kyle Harrison. And then Taylor Rogers gives up a home run to Elias Diaz, his 14th home run season for Rogers. He allows two runs in two-thirds of an inning. And for Harrison, four runs three of which were earned over the course of five innings, just five strikeouts at the minor league level. He was getting, like, 14 strikeouts for nine innings. It was insane, but Jacob Junis allows a run in one and a third innings. Camille Duvall does give up a run in the ninth. It costs you that run line if you laid that, but goes an inning giving up a run, but gets a 36 save of the season. And John Brebbia, he was able to end a scoreless inning as well. Plenty of scoreless innings were lent by Dallas Keuchel of the Minnesota Twins. Twins get it done by a count of five to two. And for Keuchel, gives up just two runs over the course of five innings, punching out six. For Keuchel, in his last six appearances, he's allowed two runs or fewer in four of them. Now, one of those was a long relief appearance as well, but he's been able to turn around a little bit more. Meanwhile, Emilio Bagancale, Theo Barcriff, and Jax Yohan Doran, they all lend a squirrel setting, and Carlos Correa goes deep off of Kodai Senga. His 18th home run season for Senga gives up two runs over the course of six innings. From there, Sean Reed fully made a mess of things, giving up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Great Hardwick from there gets it out of the bullpen. Sam Coonrod, the squirrel setting, but... The Mets' bullpen continues to be quite untrustworthy. The Texas Rangers just continue to be in a pit of misery. They lose to the Oakland A's by a count of 6-3, and now it's starting to be really, really dicey for the old Texas Rangers as they have went 4-15 in their last 19 games. For Oakland, you were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Shea Langelaers goes deep off Jordan Montgomery, 17th home run season, and Montgomery allows one to Estetti Ruiz. Fourth home run season for Montgomery. Gives up five runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. From there, Jose LeCurk gives up a run in an inning. Ian Kennedy, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. And Brock Burke, pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. And for Texas, Corey Seager was a lone form of offense. In the first inning, he got his 29th home run season off of Paul Blackburn as Blackburn settled down from there, going just three innings, giving up two runs. And then you had the bullpen really do a good job for this team as he were able to get two scoreless innings out of Devin Sweet. He picks up the win. You did have a run given up by Easton Lewis in his MLB debut, but Lucas Ursage, Danny Jimenez, Trevor May, a part of a pretty untrustworthy Oakland A's bullpen. They all line scoreless settings to be able to get that W. The Atlanta Braves, they were able to get a nice, easy win. 8-2, to two, they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates. Another over for the Pittsburgh Pirates as Mitch Keller gets completely shelled. Eight runs surrendered in five innings, including a pair of home runs. How about Ronald Cunha Jr. going deep again? 35th home run season. And then Eddie Rosario is 21st. Acuna Jr. back to north of minus $4 to win the Cy Young, and very rightfully so. Bryce Elder, he punches out nine and gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. A lying home run to Jack Swinitsky, 24th home run season. From there, Dylan Lee, Ben Heller, they were both able to end a squirrel setting. And for the Pirates, he did have 
Jose Hernandez lent two scoreless settings out of the bullpen, and Hunter Stratton was able to give a scoreless setting as well for the Cy Young race in the National League. Justin Seals going to have a chance to showcase himself on Saturday, but showcasing himself on Friday was Blake Snell. He has now given up three runs or fear in each out of his last 20 starts. Two runs or fear in 18 of them. He now moves to minus 220 in the Cy Young hunt at DraftKings. 11-2, the Padres got the win. As now, he allows two runs in six innings, walk three, which is actually quite low. Raker from there, two scoreless innings. Scott Barlow, a scoreless inning. And for the Padres, pair of home runs in this one. Troy Kirsham goes deep off of Jose Arikiti, 13th home run season. And Xander Bogarts gets home run number 17 off of Hunter Brown, who got destroyed, giving up six runs over the course of four and a third innings. Phil Maton, pair of outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless and Jose Arikiti didn't do any better, giving up five runs in four innings including a home run of his own. So the Cy Young race, it is very hot and heavy out there in the National League. In the American League, Garrett Cole is right now the front runner, and unfortunately for the Yankees, they did not have Garrett Cole on the pump. On Friday, they had Luis Severino, who lasted four innings, giving up two runs before the bullpen yacked this one up. 8-2, to two, the Brewers get the job done for Severino. He did allow a home run going deep for the Brewers. Willie Thomas, 24th home run season. From there, Johnny Brito gives up a run in two and a third innings. Honestly, not bad, considering Greg Weiser from there gave up three runs in an inning. Jonathan Weiser gave up two runs while getting two outs out of the bullpen, and Tommy Canely squirrels inning in. For the Yankees, Yasan Dominguez. Fourth home run in a little bit over a week. He goes deep off of Colin Ray, who said hip hip array to being able to not get completely destroyed, giving up two runs in four and two-thirds innings. From there, Ebner Uribe, one and a third inning squirrels. Trevor McGill, Bryce Wilson, they both lend a squirrel saying. And then how about Thiago Vieira? 30-year-old who made his, I believe, MLB debut. He was able to turn a scoreless setting as well. So the Brewers are able to get that one to the window. And in terms of being able to get to the window, we are getting a darn near 50-50 split this season with regards to overs and unders. Overs, as a matter of fact, have now overtaken unders. 1,018 overs to 1,014 unders. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at favorites overall for the season, hitting at 57.8%. 1,214 overs, 886 unders have hit, and now we have seen north of 300 favorites that have one outright be unable to cover the run line. We're up to 303 in total. If you take a look at the last seven days of baseball, it's been rough for favorites, 50 and 41 straight up. Meanwhile, 11 of those favorites have one outright unable to uh, cover the minus one and a half. Meanwhile, overs have been very overwhelming recently. 55 overs, 32 unders, and five pushes along the way. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the last 30 days, also has been quite overwhelming. 208 overs, 171 unders, so that's our near 55% to the overall favorites. Hitting at 57% over the last 30 days, 223 and 168 straight up with out of these favorites, all but 47 being able to cover the run line. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Friday. Now, let's take a look at these playoff races. What is worth noting for the back half of the season and a few teams of intrigue with Danny Vietti of CBS Sports. That comes your way next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. 
Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man, Danny Vietti. He does tremendous work over at CBS Sports, taking a look at the game that we all know and love of baseball. And if you follow him on the old X, that is first and last name, Danny Vietti, last name is spelled... V-I-E-T-T-I, one of the best at being able to post up just nice nuggets about the game of baseball. I feel like a lot of people might not be recognizing unless if he were to send them out via post. So those are always appreciated. And with Danny, he also does a great job with the Wake and Rake podcast. He is one half of that, along with Will Middlebrooks, former World Series champion of the Boston Red Sox. You're able to follow them at Wake and Rake pod all together as well. And Danny, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. I appreciate the plug, Greg. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me, Danny. And 
Danny, things are getting very hot and heavy with regards to these playoff races. We are here in early September. These weekend series are getting started as we don't know the results for the Friday games quite yet, but certainly I take a look right now and I think that they're intriguing races. And for me, the biggest one is the AL West, but which race at this point do you have your eyes on the most? Because I do think that there are going to be some quite exciting ones, whether it is the AL West, whether it is both the wild card races, you go down the list that are going to be very much worth watching these final few weeks. The AL West is fun because it's looking more and more like one of those teams, depending on what Toronto does, could be on the outside looking in by the end of the season, which is really unfortunate because all of Seattle, Texas, and Houston have had really strong years. That's going to be fun down the stretch, without a doubt. I just think all three of those teams are really good, and there's a chance that all three of those teams do get in, again, depending on what Toronto does. So... For that reason, I'm glued in on the National League wildcard more so than the American League West, simply because you have four teams that are all duking it out for this final wildcard spot. Right now, you have Philadelphia at the top of the wildcard race and the Cubs following that. You have Miami in position right now with that third wildcard spot, but they're three and a half behind Chicago. So again, you have four teams, Miami, Arizona, Cincinnati, and San Francisco going at each other these last final weeks as we see the end of the season on the horizon here. And all those teams are within two and a half games. And all four of those teams, by the way, have played pretty atrociously since the All-Star break. And this is the really disappointing part, and I'm going to tie it back into my West Coast bias here and say, if the San Diego Padres could have just played a little bit above 500 balls since the All-Star break, They'd be right into the thick of it, but they've been kind of a dumpster fire all season long. But I say that because the Diamondbacks, Reds, Marlins, and Giants have all been under 500 since the All-Star break. Uh, The Diamondbacks, 19 and 28. This is as of two days ago. The Diamondbacks are 19 and 28 since the All-Star break. Reds, 22 and 27. Marlins, 17 and 28. And the Giants, 21 and 27. And the wheels continue to fall off for the Giants too. So one of these teams... If one of them just catches fire for a week, because and it's seemingly the Marlins are are they've won six straight now, and maybe that's the team that's going to pull away. All it's going to take is one hot streak for one week to to pull away from the pack, and that's probably going to be the, the the difference maker. Yeah, it's just so interesting to take a look at that National League wild card picture. As Sandy Vietti, who does great work over at CBS Sports, is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, and I think a lot of it just has to come down to scheduling as well, because You've got those teams in the NL West. They certainly are going to be catching a few breaks, but at the same time, when you're playing against a team like, oh, I don't know, the LA Dodgers, who were mentioning with the Padres, it has been rough for them all season long. But we know that the talent on paper, it is relatively solid. I think that that's really what's going to be deciding this because I do take a look at the Diamondbacks, and they are going to have a lot of series with those New York teams, both the Mets and the Yankees. Perhaps they could be able to split some of those. They have a series against the White Sox towards back half of the season as well. And I think that that's a lot of what it's going to come down to because all these teams have their wars with the Giants. They have not been able to hit worth a lick in the second half of the season. The Diamondbacks bullpen pitching has been a mess with the Miami Marlins. It's just the fact that David Robertson has been blowing games for them as of late. And for the Cincinnati Reds, it's coming down to health for them. So all four of these teams have their issues. And whichever one of them can get it straightened out the most is a team that should be able to win that wild card spot. And it's fun, too, because you're seeing teams like the Diamondbacks, like the Texas Rangers, they did this. The Diamondbacks called up their top prospect in Jordan Lawler just about 24 hours ago. And the Rangers, after getting 
just obliterated by the Houston Astros at home. The Rangers are now calling up their top prospects. So you're seeing teams push the envelope because, you know, the clock's ticking away and there's only a couple more weeks remaining. Kind of look at the remaining strength of schedules. It might look like San Francisco. Now that I'm looking at San Francisco and Cincinnati, their strength of schedule is a little bit easier down the road. So we're splitting hairs now. You know, you're looking at opponents. You're trying to figure out where the victories are going to come from. Miami's just been hit by the injury bug, too, with Sandy Alcantara and Jorge Soler. Arguably, they're two better players. They're going on the injured list. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a dogfight, but it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, it is going to be fun to watch. Might be a little bit grody at times, especially if it is the San Francisco Giants, as they have been a very fascinating team with them not hitting worth a lick. But the pitching has still been just fine for them moving forward. As Sandy Vietti, he does great work over at CBS Sports and he is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And I do want to touch upon the Giants a little bit because this is a team that I know that you've talked about quite a bit all season long, and I alluded to it. For the Giants, I do still find it a little bit striking that ever since the beginning of the month of May, even with everything that they went through, they do have the top bullpen ERA in the big leagues ever since the beginning of, of the month of May. But at the same time, they've been hitting a sub-220 ever since the All-Star break as well. What do you attribute the lack of offense to because if you're taking a look at the series that they've got this weekend against the Colorado Rockies this should be a golden opportunity for them to be able to get some wins and perhaps by the end of Sunday perhaps be in control of that final wild card spot yeah the Giants it's not rocket science for this team they just flat lack star power you know Farhan Zaidi does what he can do in that front office and he's a master manipulator with analytics and he's able to get guys like Lamont Wade Jr. Tyro Estrada J.D. Davis, these guys that were pretty much uh, misfit toys, cast-offs from other squads, and he gets them pennies on the dollar, and they turn into formidable and sometimes even all-star caliber players. Unfortunately, they have struck out on the star power market with guys like Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa, and they struck out on Bryce Harper a few years ago. They need somebody in the middle of that order to be able to carry the load. And right now, your biggest boppers in that lineup are J.D. Davis, who's really struggled since the All-Star break. Jock Peterson has not been entirely healthy all season long, and he doesn't even hit against lefties normally. So the Giants can pitch. They have a great bullpen. They play good defense. They just flat have no star power amongst their offense. And at this point in the season, first week, second week of September here, there's nobody, there's not reinforcements coming. There's nobody in their minor leagues that they can pull up that's going to change this offense. They are what they are, and they lack star power. Yeah, that is very true. And we've always noticed this with the Giants ever since Gabe Kapler took over as well. They very much are a team that they platoon with their righty lefty splits, and they just have not been working out as much here in the second half of the season. As Danny Vietti, who does great work over at CBS Sports, is joining me right here on the show. And then when it comes to the American League side of things, I do feel like that's the league in which it's a little bit more of a jumbled up mess at the top. If you've got a team that you would like to put over the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves in the National League, you let me know. But I feel like those are pretty much your stone-clad top two teams as of right now. Doesn't mean that they're going to be in the NL Championship Series. We saw that last year in the National League. But as of right now, I have a tough time putting anyone in front of those two. Meanwhile, I take a look at the American League, and while the Orioles have the best record, that Felix Batista injury, it is very big. The Mariners have been surging, but they were very much beneficiaries of, let's call what it is, a lot of series against the Oakland A's, a lot of series against the Kansas City Royals, so a very favorable schedule. And I just take a look at the entirety of the American League, 
Astros have certainly gotten hot, but it feels like it is wide open at the top there. Meanwhile, with regards to the National League, it just feels like it's whoever can knock off the Dodgers and the Braves being the big question out there. Yeah, the injury to Felix Batista really shook up the entire American League. I think a window that was already being cracked open just really got pushed open, and now there's a big hole in the American League because you know we saw it against the Angels in their most recent series. The Orioles had a lead in the eighth inning, and they blew a lead. And then they went to the – and keep in mind, they did have Yannir Cano. It was an off day for him. So they had to go to some of their backup, backup options. But even still, if you don't have depth, come playoff time behind Yannir Cano, you're going to run into trouble come postseason time. So as long as Batista is out, that can really open things up in the American League. When Batista is healthy, the tandem of him and Cano to put it together with the starting rotation that they have in the offense and the way that they're able to mix and match these young studs in their offense, I mean, they're very, very tough to beat, and they're just dumb enough to think that they can win it all. But without Felix, it really seems like they're digging deep to try and find ways to get the most out of the guys uh, out of the guys in that bullpen. After that, you mentioned Houston and Texas and and Tampa and Toronto's in there. I think Seattle is perfectly built for a postseason run. You know, we saw last year they took care of business in the first round against Toronto despite being underdogs. In the second round, they played the Houston Astros. And the Astros, as we all know now, ended up hoisting the trophy and winning it all. While Seattle, in game one, they had a lead in the ninth inning. And Robbie Ray gave up a walk-off home run to Jordan Alvarez. Game over. Game two, the Mariners, again, had a lead through five innings. Unfortunately, the bullpen ended up blowing it. And they ended up losing game two by a couple of runs. Game three, an absolute 18-inning marathon that they ended up losing 1-0. to zero. The run differential in those three games was like minus three, and that's against the team that ended up hoisting the trophy. I think that this team can get hot, and they are right now, with Julio Rodriguez turning himself into an American League MVP player. This team has the tools. They have the bullpen. Munoz and the rest of that bullpen's healthy now. The rotation is arguably the best in the American League. I think that team is very, very dangerous. And I think behind Baltimore, Seattle could be the biggest threat in that league. Yeah, I do think so as well. And I think that it is going to be so interesting to take a look at the entirety of the American League playoff race as well. And allow me to throw this team out here. It's a team that we all are thinking, yep, they're going to get in by default because of the American League Central. And I'd be very, very surprised if they get superseded by the Cleveland Guardians, but I've actually liked what I've seen out of the Minnesota Twins recently. I feel like Royce Lewis is a big, giant game changer for them. Now, unfortunately, Byron Buxton is on the injured list once again. Nothing new for this bunch, but how do you feel about the Minnesota Twins right now? Because they do have some good top flight pitching. As we know, they have had their struggles with regards to the playoffs, to say the least, but I feel like Royce Lewis has really been able to breathe some life into a Twins team that very silently has been one of the best offenses in the big league since the All-Star break. You know, coming into the year, I actually really liked Minnesota as a team just because I love their starting rotation. Lopez, Gray, Ryan, Maeda. I thought their rotation was going to carry themselves to an American League Central title, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Playoff-wise, though, I mean, their offense just strikes out at way too high of a clip. They have the highest strikeout percentage in the entire league. We're not talking about contenders here. We're talking about they have a higher strikeout percentage than the Oakland A's and Detroit Tigers, like the worst teams in the league, and their offense just hasn't been consistent at all. And you love what you're seeing from Royce Lewis, and he's able to kind of give them a bump. 
But, you know, from a young player like that, we'll see if it's sustainable. I like the rotation. The bullpen's good, but they just flat don't have the offense. And come playoff time, you could sneak up on some teams. Last year, we saw the Guardians beat the Rays round one, and then they took the New York Yankees to five games. We've seen crazier things happen. I'm not going to say that the Twins don't have a chance, obviously. They could get hot at the right time. You mentioned they're hoping to get Buxton back soon. I just don't think they have enough offense to be able to overtake teams like the Mariners and the Orioles or the Astros. I do think that it's going to be tough for them to be able to match up with a team like the Astros, but let's just hope they can get at least one win on the board with regards to the playoffs because the Minnesota Twins have been a rock-solid organization for a very, very long time. They just... I've not been able to bust through during the playoffs. Typically, it's been at the hands of the New York Yankees. Fortunately for them, barring something very, very, very strange, we will not be seeing that going down as well. And just with regards to the final few weeks of the regular season, is there a team or two that you do have your eye on? Maybe it's a team that we've already touched upon. Maybe it's a little bit of a team that's a little bit more off the beaten path. Hey, maybe it's a team that won't be in the playoffs, but you just like the way that they're playing and maybe they're building up momentum for 2024. Is there a team or two that you really have your eye on right now? I'll probably get some glared eyes at me by saying this, but (laughs) San Diego seven games back and they have one of the easiest strength of schedules remaining. Once they get through the Dodgers and the Astros, they then play the Giants, A's, Rockies, White Sox, and Cardinals. Four of those five all last place teams. So the Padres have given us no reason to believe in them all season long. But what if they stretch up? The Giants are not exactly pulling away here. I just mentioned the Marlins, the injuries that they've endured. Cincinnati has struggled since the break. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that the Padres are going to sneak into a playoff spot. But you ask me who I'm going to be watching, I'm kind of curious what they do. Yep, and with the San Diego Padres, you want to talk about a team that has hit Murphy's line. I mean, they should be better than what they are. I'm not going to pin it all on this, but they're 0-11 in extra inning games from 6-22 in one-run games. They have by far the fewest one-run wins of any team in all of baseball. I don't think that there's any other team with fewer than 12 one-run wins. I mean, if they could even go to like 12 and 16, they would be right there in the playoff on to your point. So I do think that we should be seeing perhaps a little bit of a reversal of fate with the guards of Padres and our fate always reverses when you're on this podcast, Sandy, because you do an amazing job taking a look at this game that we all know of love of baseball. You do a great job with the Wake and Rake podcast. You do great work over at CBS Sports. So all the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, new episode for the Wake and Rake podcast coming out this week at Wake and Rake Pod and all your favorite listening devices and all the written work up on CBSSports.com. Danny does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball, and his time is always appreciated here on the podcast. Big thanks to Danny for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board as we touch them up. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. 
Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking. 
breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Danny Vietti aboard. He does amazing work over at CBS Sports, taking a look at this wonderful game of baseball. On top of that, he does a terrific job with his own podcast, Awake and Rake Podcast, which you're able to find wherever you get this terrific podcast. Always nice to be able to get him aboard talking about what we're going to be getting here in the last few weeks of the regular season. It is going to be hot, it is going to be heavy, and it is going to be a lot of fun. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this baseball Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81, and we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games. Any interleague games, those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. And we're going to lead off with my DK Network write-up pick. This is 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs, and they are going to be playing us here. the Diamondbacks, you've got Merrill Kelly on the bump for Arizona. And for the Cubs, it is a man of steel. And Justin Seal gets the start. This opened up at a minus 130. This has moved a little bit recently. Anywhere between minus 135 to minus 145 is the number on the Cubs. Between plus 120 and plus 126 is that number on Arizona. Currently no total up on this one as it is a Wrigley Field game. It is going to be based on the wind. And certainly I like this a little bit more when it was a minus 130, which is when I was writing this one up. But that said, even with the line move, I'm still making the DK Network right to pick the Chicago Cubs on the money line. I do think that they are going to be able to bounce back in this spot, and they just have been rock solid whenever Justin Seal has been able to take the bump, as they are 12-1 and in his last 13 stars. Justin Seal very much in the Cy Young hunt as of right now, and this Cubs team, they are very much in the playoff hunt as of right now, as for Steele, he leads qualifying National League starters with 0.7 home runs per nine innings allowed to go along with 9.1 strikeouts to two walks per nine innings, has been just really able to check every box. 255 ERA, 298 fielding independent, three runs or fewer allowed in all 13 of these starts in this recent run, and it's going up against someone in Merrill Kelly that has always had his struggles on the road. This season, it's been a little bit less than it has been throughout his career. He's got an ERA of a uh, 281 when he is at home, 369 on the road, which there's a little bit of a split, but if you take a look throughout the entirety of Merrill Kelly's career, this actually balloons a little bit north of a point in which he does better when he is at home rather than when he is on the road, and it all comes back to the walks as well as he has been posting up a career-high 3.2 walks per nine innings, which is why he's got right around about a 3.22 ERA compared to a fielding independent that is more in that neighborhood of about a 3.76. As for his career, as I was alluding to, 4.43 ERA on the road, 3.23 ERA at home as his walks per nine rate on the road goes up by about 26%. And I mean, his strikeouts per nine rate at home throughout his career, 8.9 strikeouts per nine innings down to 7.3 when he is on the road as well. So you do have your trepidations there. And on top of that, you really have to have your issues with this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. They didn't have to go to it yesterday, fortunately, but overall for the season, the Arizona Diamondbacks, a bottom 10 team with regards to bullpen ERA post-All-Star break. They have been the second-worst bullpen in the National League, and since the beginning of the month of July, 
The Diamondbacks' bullpen ERA is more than two points higher than that of the Cubs. Cubs right around about a 370 with regards to their bullpen ERA, 576 with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Likes of Miguel Castro, Scott McGill, Luis Frias, all posting up north of a 4-5 ERA. Joe Mantiply, these guys have not cut it. Paul Seawald has had his issues with the team as well. And for the Chicago Cubs, you've been able to get some relatively good production out of the likes of an Adbert Alzley, who's done a nice job in the closers role. Danny Palencia has been able to give you some nice innings as well. And for the Cubs, just one through nine, all these guys do a very solid job of being able to move the line as every single one of these hitters typically with regards to the starting lineup, aside from when Patrick Wisdom is in the fold, as Wisdom hasn't really moved the line. They're all giving you north of a 310 on base. And with the Cubs, you don't have that one guy that's really completely ripping the cover off the ball. Cody Bellinger has done a great job being able to get on base, hitting for a 318, but his home run numbers are nothing where it's like super duper supreme, but you've got just a nice balance of power. Dansby Swanson, Bellinger, Patrick Wisdom, Christopher Morrell, all between 19 and 24 home runs, with obviously Bellinger being your main RBI guy on the scene, but guys like C.A. Suzuki and company have really been able to step up. And for the years at the Diamondbacks, post all-star break, they've been 20th in the league with regards to runs per game. You've got a nice fearsome foursome. Quetel Marte, Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Gurriel between 22 and 24 home runs with Carroll. Now supplying 45 stolen bases. He had three yesterday, so that's been beneficial on Christian Walker right around about a 345 on base. There have been times where he has been the offense. Outside of these four, you've got one guy with north of eight home runs at Evan Logario. They just got off the injured list, but Devon the full with he, Paven Smith, Nick Ahmed. You just need a little bit more out of some of those guys, and I do think that the Cubs should be able to go out there, get the job done, and bounce back from a loss yesterday. My DK Network writer pick is going to be on the Cubs. I'm going to be willing to lay up to a minus 158 with regards to the money line. And if you do take a look at the conditions in Wrigley, once again, wind is going to be blowing in, and it is going to be blowing in quite heavy. So this is a spot where at a 7 or less, I'll be willing to take a look at the overs. I do think that the walks are still going to be there for Kelly, and I think we'll see a little bit more offense than we did yesterday. And then if we get to a 7 after higher, going to be taking a look at the under. 903-904 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers and throw it face off against the Washington Nationals. Jake Irvin is on the bump for Washington, and Bobby Miller is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are between minus 205 to minus 220. Favorite say between plus 170 and plus 190 is your number on Washington. 9 to 9.5 is the total on the 9. Overs minus 120. The unders even on the 9.5. Unders minus 120. And the overs even. On the money line, I need at least a minus 228 to be able to back the Nationals. And if you're taking a look at the run line, we're going to be laying minus 130 here with the Dodgers. I was willing to go up to a minus 145. We have noticed it with the Dodgers. They just always win these games by multiple runs. Going into yesterday, the Dodgers had a record of 85 and 54, and all but 14 of those wins have come by multiple runs. This team just completely rips the cover off the ball. Not to say the world's greatest batting average team, especially on the road. On the road this season, the LA Dodgers are hitting right around about a 254 as a collective, which is fine. The way that they really generate their runs is by being able to induce these walks. They are number one in the league with regards to walks drawn on a per-at-bat basis, and Freddie Freeman has won the Masters of this. On the road, a 443 on base with 13 out of his 25 home runs coming away from home, and you've got so many guys that have been able to hit a double-digit amount of homers on the road this season. As I was mentioning, Freeman, J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, all with at least 14 road home runs this far this season. So these guys are able to do it away from Dodger Stadium. You've had Jason Hayward do a solid job being able to move the line as well. The Dodgers, they do a solid job against righties. They do a solid job against lefties. And now they're going up against someone in Jake Irvin that 
I feel like he is doing for a bit of regression. As for Irvin, he's been able to do a better job since when he got called up at the beginning part of the season. Overall for the campaign, he's been able to give you a 435 ERA, but up to about a 525 with regards to his fielding dependent. Has given up three runs or fewer in every one of his last five starts, but it feels like he's been pitching on eggshells a lot recently because if you take a look at this recent run from, we're going to go from June 17th on. He has made a grand total of 14 starts. He has allowed three runs or fewer in all but two of these starts. He's got a 3.76 ERA, but in that time span, a little bit north of a five fielding dependent as he has been giving up about 1.6 or 1.7 home runs per nine innings. The opponent's batting average of balls and play has been about a 272. He hasn't gotten a lot of strikeouts in this time span. He's still been giving up right around three walks per nine innings as well. So I do have my question marks there. What the Washington Nationals do us all a job of is they find a way to be able to move the line. They've been a top 10 team all season long with regards to their batting average, but you certainly lack that thumping power when it comes to this team. As if you got Joey Manessis, you've got Lane Thomas, a pair of guys in between about a 275 to 285. You did see Thomas be out of the fold yesterday, so that is something that you do want to be mindful of, but you still have Keybet Ruiz up to 17 home runs. He's been hitting up right around 255, and you just have a lot of those guys in between about a 255 to 260. Before getting injured, Stone Garrett was one of those guys. Jacob Lou, Lewis Garcia, CJ Abrams is right around about a 250, so these guys have been able to do a solid job moving the line, and for the Washington Nationals, it's become survival of the fittest with regards to this bullpen, as for the Nationals, they have really been dealing with a lot of guys that just haven't necessarily given you great innings like Amos Willingham, Joel LaSorsa, what have you, which means that Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan, along with someone like a Jordan Weems who has been able to give you sub 3-5 ERA, they've been able to get those innings late in games. Meanwhile, for the LA Dodgers, you've got a bunch that has a lot of guys that are able to do a solid job in this bullpen as they've been number one with regards to National League bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break, ever since coming over from Boston. You've got Ryan Brazier who's been able to supply a sub-2 ERA. Evan Phillips, Bruce Sutter, Grider, all Caleb Ferguson, they're all giving you a sub-3 ERA. Gus Farland, ever since he's come over, has been able to do a nice job as well. I do think that this should be some Dodgers domination. I do think that Irvin comes back to earth as he's been quite lucky on the balls in play. So I am willing to lay up to a minus 145 with regards to the Dodgers run line. Did set my total at a 9.7 as well. For Bobby Miller, he's been able to do a pretty admirable job and he's been sort of the opposite of what we've been seeing with regards to a lot of these pitchers thus far this season in that he's actually got a fielding independent that is lower than his ERA. He's gotten the short end of the stick. Yes, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around 380-367 fielding independent, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. He's been able to get eight strikeouts per nine innings. He's run into a few tough times at home recently, but all in all, like the way that he's been able to deliver, I do think that the Nationals scratch across a few runs against him, so going to be taking a look at the over to go along this run line of the Dodgers. 905-906 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins, and they're on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Nola looks to be super for the Phillies, and Johnny Cueto is on the bump for the Marlins, and the Marlins, they do find themselves as pretty big underdogs here. You're going to be finding them anywhere in the neighborhood, about a plus 155 to size a plus 168. Meanwhile, in between minus 180 to minus 185, your number on the Phillies, nine is the total, over is minus 115, the under is minus 105, and if you are taking a look at the run line of the Phillies, you're going to be finding that at a plus 110, and I was willing to go up to about even money with regards to this Phillies run line. I set them at a minus 189 on the money line, so I'm going to be diving in on the Philadelphia Phillies now. Aaron Nola has been all over the place this season as he has been giving up the deep ball quite a bit, giving up just under a home run and a half 
per nine innings. The command has still been pretty solid. He's still been giving up just over two walks per nine innings. He's still been able to get a little bit north of nine strikeouts per nine innings, but the deep ball has been killer, and he's just been a completely different pitcher in Philadelphia rather than on the road. 5.66 road ERA, 3.17 home ERA. At home, he's given up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings on the road. This is more like 1.9 home runs per nine innings, so a big giant divide there, and for lack of a better term, Johnny Cueto is now very old. I love the fact that Johnny Cueto is still out there competing, but he's given up three-plus runs in every one of his last five starts. It's been a case where he just has not been able to get online, and the last time he faced off against the Philadelphia Phillies, it was a home start. Gave up four runs over the course of six innings. He's actually been better on the road than he has been at home, but this is only a three-start sample size, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, You've got this team now really firing all cylinders. You had Trey Turner out of the fold for a few days for a paternity leave, so a congratulations there. But now having a nice balance of power for the team has been big because they've been relying upon Kyle Schwarber to really deliver that offense all season long as he's up north of 40 home runs this season. But now you've got Nick Cassianos, you've got Trey Turner, both give you 20-plus home runs. Bryce Harper since the All-Star break, 13-plus home runs out of him. Turner, for his return off the paternity list yesterday, was able to supply a home run. And you've got guys that are able to move line to make these home runs. Two-run shots, three-run shots. Brandon Marsh, along with some like a uh, Mr. Rojas, Alec Bohm. These are guys in north of 275. Bryson Stott as we with Darnier 300 as well. And then for the Miami Marlins, their deal with Orde Solaire being on the injured list. Now, the good news is Jake Berger has been able to give you north of 30 home runs. And for Mr. Berger, he has been able to do a nice job of being able to get on base ever since he landed with the Miami Marlins. Was hitting a sub-230 while he was with the Chicago White Sox above a 300 with Miami. Josh Bell has been able to give you a home run every about 13 or so at best ever since landing with the Fish as well. So he was a trade deadline acquisition. But Luis Arise has been all over the place ever since the beginning of the month of August. He's been hitting more in the neighborhood about a 255 or so as really been struggling against better competition. You still do have likes of Brian De La Cruz hitting about a 260. John Birdie has been able to get on base as well, but the bottom of the fold has been a little bit of letdown. And so has David Robertson, north of a 70 yard since coming over to Miami. This has been a relatively a league average bullpen over the last, we're going to call it 45 or so days. Stephen O'Curd, Andrew Nardi, Tanner Scott giving you a sub-3-5 ERA has been solid, but when you get into guys like Brian Hoying and company, deal with the injury to Uskarbada open has been an issue for the Phillies. A top three bullpen with regards to ERA in the National League post-All-Star break. Craig Kimbrell has been a little bit up and down, but Jose Alvarado is back. He's been able to supply a sub-2 ERA. Jeff Hoffman has been very good. And Sir Anthony Dominguez. How about him over the last 35 days supplying about a 1 ERA? So I do think that the Phillies should be able to take it to the Miami Marlins. Aaron Knoll is just a different pitcher at home. And Cueto has consistently been giving up 3-4 to four runs in all of his starts. I do think that the Phillies are going to hit him. And I'm relatively hard. And we have seen Noah be a little bit over the place. So I'm going to be looking at the over. Did some by total a 9.3, and with the Phillies willing to take anything of even money or better with regards to this run line. 907-908 on the bank board. The St. Louis Cardinals are on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and the Cardinals are on to Zach Thompson getting the start against them. Meanwhile, Carson Spires is on the bump for the Reds. The Reds are underdogs of between plus 114 to a plus 122. Meanwhile, between minus 130 to a minus 135. Your number on St. Louis, 10.5 is the total over and under both at minus 110. And I made the Reds more around the minus 135 or so favorite. I do think that this is a case of wrong team favorite with the St. Louis Cardinals. They were certainly able to get to Andrew Abbott yesterday, but this is a bullpen that is just a complete mess at this point. Ryan Helsley is pretty much the only guy with a sub-4 ERA. They had to use up a lot of those pieces yesterday. They didn't get a day off on Thursday, so and it's really going to be a war of attrition 
position. And for Zach Thompson, he's a solid pitcher that I do think has quite a bit of upside, but at the same time, he can't necessarily be trusted to necessarily lend a whole bunch of length as he started out the year in the bullpen as a little bit of a longer lever, and, and he gets strikeouts. He's getting about 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings, 391 ERA, 361 field independent, but does give up those 3.5 walks per nine innings as went five innings or fewer in pretty much all but one of his appearances thus far this season. Now, I will say, in his last start, he was able to go seven very strong innings in that, so a little bit of credit where credit is due. And ever since he became a little bit more of a constant starter, that was on August 6th, he has been supplying about a 341 ERA, so has been rounded to form there. But one of these starts are against lesser teams, going up against the Pirates twice, going up against the Rockies at home, going up against the Royals. That is very cushy, and for the Cardinals, they have been able to supply quite a bit of offense to be able to help them out, as this Cardinals team is in the top eight in the big leagues with regards to home runs on a per-at-bat and a per-game basis. You saw Wilson Contreras, good deep. He's been able to provide a north of 425 on base over the last two months. You've been seeing some of these young guys be able to step up as well. Lars Newpar being back the fold has been big because he was out for the final 13 games in August. Without him, the team was averaging fewer than three runs per contest, more like 2.8 runs per contest, as a matter of fact. Ever since he has returned, they've been averaging more than six runs per game. Paul Goldschmidt, he continues to be able to give you about a 370 on base. He's been able to do a nice job hitting the deep ball. The Nolan Solon, Arenado, Nolan Gorman, 26-plus home runs apiece. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, they've been able to have Harrison Bader, along with Hunter Renfro, be able to step up as they pick them up off of waivers as they've been dealing with quite a few injuries. Jonathan India being out of the fold, now having Matt McClain out, that has been an issue for this team. Same with Ellie De La Cruz, just flat out not getting on base. For Ellie De La Cruz, on-base percentage has been less than a 280 ever since the All-Star break, but Spencer is here. He's been able to supply north of 20 home runs, about a 355 on-base out of him, and you do have some good balance with the likes of Nick Martini, along with Stuart Fairchild, Christian Encarnacion, Strand, TJ Friedel, giving you between about a 320 to a 335 on-base as well. The Reds, they do have a little bit of a leg up with regards to their bullpen, as for this Reds team, you've been able to have the likes of Buck Farmer, Ian Gabo, Alexis Diaz, be able to supply a sub-3-7 ERA out of the bullpen. Meanwhile, for the Cardinals, you just don't have that support for Zach Thompson. And for Carson Spires, this is going to be start number two for him. He was called in pretty much because the team had a double dip against the Chicago Cubs, and they were dealing with COVID as well, which very, very strange to be talking about that. But at the same time, with Carson Spires, first start out, gave up three runs over the course of four innings. Can't really place much stock into one start. If you look at what he did at the minor league level, was a little bit wild with regards to walks, giving up right around four and a half walks per nine innings, but was able to supply 11 half strikeouts per nine innings. Not necessarily a guy that is going to be providing a lot of length, so this is going to be a poo-poo platter of pitcher situation for the Reds, but with how badly burnt the Cardinals bullpen is, I do think that the Reds are going to be able to get it done in this spot. I do think that the total just a shade too high, as I feel like the ballpark dimensions have went a little bit too far with Cincinnati in terms of shading up these totals. I set my total at 10.3, so I had a 10.5. Looking at the under end, I made the Reds a favorite, so going to be taking them with a the plus number on the money line. 909910 on the betting board. It is the Atlanta Braves, and they play us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Johan Oviedo is going to be on the bump for the Buccos, and Charlie Morton is on the bump for the Braves. The Braves are Mondo favorites. Anywhere between minus 267 to a minus 278, minus 130 to minus 135 on that run line. Between plus 215 to plus 225, your number on Pittsburgh, 9.5 is the total. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The over is between even and minus 110. And on the run line, I was willing to go up to a minus 138 here. So that minus 135 
That's max I'm willing to lay, but I'm willing to lay it. But did also set my total at a 10.4. I'm looking at this 9.5 over. The only question is, are the Pirates going to oblige on this total? Because the Atlanta Braves are absolutely pounding the tar out of the ball right now. You got each out of your top five hitters with at least 29 home runs for the Atlanta Braves. And, I mean, on a night-in, night-out basis, typically with the Atlanta Braves, if they want to, they could have eight out of their nine hitters with at least 17 home runs. The guy in the 8-0 yesterday, Orlando Arcia, started the game 3-for-3. Three three. That's the sort of firepower that this team has. They had all but two of their players in the starting lineup entering into the game with north of a 262 batting average. Man, I mean, the Atlanta Braves have a little bit of everything to offer. Ronald Acuna Jr. just continues to be white hot. He has a chance at a 40-60 season. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you got Jack Swinitsky, who's been hitting about a buck 50 ever since the All-Star break. He's been the team's leader in home runs with north of 20. And Ian and Brian Reynolds are the only two guys on the roster that have been able to give you north of 12 home runs. You've had Andrew McCutcheon be a little bit in and out of the fold as he's been aging. But and you've got guys like Joshua Palacios, along with someone like Alika Williams. You're looking at Andy Rodriguez. These guys be able to step up, and they're just not doing so. Sub 300 on basis for all of these guys. They don't provide a lot of power or anything like that. Alfonso Rivas has honestly been too tremendous. And we'll say this is a Pirates team as a relatively league average bullpen, as you've got the likes of Colin Olderman, David Benar, Carmen Moldazinski, who've been able to give you a sub 3.5 ERA, so they've been able to step up a little bit as well. But for the Atlanta Braves, this team has been a top two team with regards to bullpen here in the National League all season long. Rossi Iglesias has been able to close the door. Michael Tonkin, Kirby Yates, these guys have been able to do an amazing job for this bunch as well. And then you've been able to get good production as well recently out of someone like an A.J. Minter. Had a really rough start to the season, but has been able to round into form recently. For Yohan Oviedo, he's done a nice job of being able to mitigate the deep ball, which it's half the battle when it comes to going up against the Atlanta Braves as overall for the season he's given up about 0.9 to 1 home runs per 9 innings. He does lead the National League in losses as well with 14. A lot of that has been because the team has just not been able to come through from 427 ERA, 446 fielding independent. Comes in being a little bit shaky, giving up 3 plus runs in 3 out of his last 5 starts. But overall, he's been pretty consistent home to road as well with in regards to Oviedo on the road, he's been posting up about a 4.22 ERA compared to a 4.32 ERA at home, giving up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings. But he's just entering into pretty much a buzzsaw. The Pirates had to go deep into their bullpen yesterday because they got absolutely destroyed. And for old Uncle Charlie, he's actually given up like two home runs in north of 70 innings on the road. And at home, he is giving up north of 1.5 home runs per nine innings. But I don't think that that's going to be as big of a factor in this game just because the Pittsburgh Pirates have not been able to generate the deep ball and all as far as the season. And Charlie Morton coming in in very good form post-All-Star break. This is a man that has given up more than three runs in just one out of his last six starts. So I like the way that he's been able to come around. He had that rough start against the Chicago Cubs. And ever since that, he's given up a combined three runs over the course of his last five starts. Granted, only was able to fill four innings on the road against the Dodgers about a week or so ago. But I do like the way that Charlie Morton is pitching. Still getting right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And I think that the domination of the Braves should continue. Willing to lay up to a minus 135 on that run line. And here to nine and a half. Looking at the over. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board, the San Francisco Giants play the Colorado Rockies. Chase Anderson goes for Colorado, and Alex Cobb is on the bump for San Francisco. Giants are a minus 250 favorite between plus 205 to plus 220 is your number on Colorado, with 8 being the total, the over and the under are both at minus 110, and with Alex Cobb, I set him at a minus 258 on the money line. Right now, you're finding that run line at a minus 105, which I gotta think that that's gonna be going upward a little bit. I recognize that the Giants offense has 
been far from stellar recently. As a matter of fact, ever since the All-Star break, they've been hitting about a 220 as a collective, so less than savory, but I certainly do think that they're going to be getting to Chase Anderson as I think that he's going to get chased <laughs> very quickly in this game. So I'm actually going to be taking a look at the over to go along with the run line in for Alex Cobb. It's been a tale of home and road thus far this season for him because with Alex Cobb, this guy just has not been able to pitch to save his life on the road. Meanwhile, at home, he has looked like an all-star. As for Alex Cobb, overall, home and road, 374 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate is about eight strikeouts per nine innings, giving up about 1.2 to 1.3 home runs per nine innings. But 526 road ERA on the road. He has given up about 1.5 home runs per nine innings at home. This sips to about 0.7 home runs per nine innings with a 209 ERA. And then when it comes to Chase Anderson, good grief, it's not going well for him. Overall, this season, a 598 ERA with a 637 fielding independent, giving up three walks and 2.2 home runs per nine innings while getting just six half strikeouts per nine. And he's backed up by a Colorado Rockies bullpen that over the last 35 days has a bullpen ERA of north of seven. Daniel Bart since the All-Star break. His bullpen ERA is 10. You have not been able to get anything recently out of the likes of Justin Lawrence, Brent Suter, guys that were very solid for the team at the beginning part of the season and for the Colorado Rockies. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They once again have some pretty big home and road splits with regards to their offense. As for the Colorado Rockies, you have been able to have Ryan McMahon be able to crank out 22 home runs. He's been really constant for the team. And you do get Charlie Blackman back to fold someone that is able to move the line on the road, giving you on the road. North of a 255 batting average. Doing a good job being able to get on base. Nolan Jones, Ezekiel Tovar, Elias has between 13 and 15 home runs. But I mean, these were the lone three guys in the starting lineup yesterday for the Rockies with north of seven home runs. You had three separate guys with zero. You're trying to get what you can out of just failed prospect Brandon Rogers and company. It's not necessarily going great there. And I will say for the Giants, you've only got one guy that since the All-Star break has hit north of four home runs. That'd be Warmer Flores. He has been holding up his end of the bargain. And everyone else, they just have not been able to hit. I wish I could put in any other way, but everyone else has went straight down the toilet bowl. The likes of J.D. Davis, Mitch Haniger, Austin Slater. You go down the list of guys hitting a sub-220 ever since the All-Star break, and it's darn near everyone. Now, the one thing that the Giants have been able to do, they have been able to pitch, as this team is number two with regards to bullpen area ever since the beginning of the month of May. Both of the Rodgers brothers, Ryan Walker, Luke Jackson, Camilio DeFall, the closer, they've all been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, and I do think that Alex Cobb is going to be able to dominate, and this is very much a golden opportunity for the San Francisco Giants taking on Rockies team that they have been defeated for a very, very long time. I did set my total at 8.2. I do think that the Giants offense is going to round into a little bit more form, even though it is out there in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in San Francisco, and even though they have had their struggles since the All-Star break. Going to be taking a look at the over, and with the Giants, I was willing to go up to about a minus 130 with regards to this run line, so looking run line and looking at the over. 9-13, 9-14 on the betting board. It is the Kansas City Royals. They throw the facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays as Kevin Gosman is on the bump for the Jays, and it is old to be determined who is going to be on the bump for the Royals, which is why this game is off the board. Right now, the question is, is Zach Granke actually going to be the starter, or is there going to be some sort of a funky opener that is going to be utilized for him? And considering Zach Granke has not done a lot better when there's been an opener in there, this is not going to change either way, but set the Blue Jays right around a minus 284 on the money line. I'm going to lay about a minus 150 with regards to this run line. Semi told to where it ain't after less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over and a nine or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at the under with Kevin Gosman. He's been able to do an incredible job of getting strikeouts while being able to keep the walks down as well. He still has been able to do a nice job 
with regards to his command, giving up in the neighbor about 2.3 walks per nine innings while getting right in the neighborhood about 11 strikeouts per nine innings as well. He has been one of the top pitchers with regards to fielding independent each of the last two seasons, 339 ERA, but just a 283 fielding independent with those 11.7 strikeouts per nine innings. It's been a little bit tough sledding for him recently, giving up three plus runs in three out of his last four starts. One of those was at Coors, though. He had to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies as they've gotten white out. The Baltimore Orioles have been able to do a solid job as well, so not necessarily like he was done a whole bunch of favors with regards to the scheduling and for the Toronto Blue Jays. They just have not done their pitchers a lot of favors in general with the way that they have been very meh with regards to their offense. I think that that's the best way of putting it because with the Toronto Blue Jays, we had high expectations for the likes of Flagger Jr., Boba Shett, what have you. They're currently dealing with an injury to Boba Shett, but his understudy, Davis Schneider, is hitting north of a 375. He's been getting a home run every about 10 or so at bats. That has actually been very good for the team, and you still have quite a few guys for the Blue Jays that have been that neighborhood about a 330 to a 350-ish on base. One of those is Matt Jamini is currently out of the fold, so that's been hurting this team a little bit, but I mean, Guerrero, who I was mentioning before, George Springer, Whit Merrifield, Kevin Kiermeyer, they're all in that fold. Seems like there's a chance that Boba Shep might be able to play in this game as well. That's big because he's been able to give the team 18 home runs, and it's really been their best player, not named Schneider, with regards to the batting average at 315. They've been dealing with Danny Jansen being out of the fold, but Alejandro Kirk at the catcher spot has been able to step up, up as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, they had a run coming out of the All-Star break where it was looking like they were really generating some offense. They have dove back down. You've got a lot of guys just hitting in that fold of between about a 230 to a 245. Salvador Perez just above that at about a 246. He's been able to supply 21 home runs. And then you've got Nelson Velasquez, MJ Melendez, Kyle Isabel, Darion Blanco, all in that fold. Michael Garcia has been able to move the line and Freddie Fermin as well, but Fermin, he's been a little bit in and out of the fold. He should be good to go in this one, though, and Bobby Wood Jr. has been the main guy being able to supply the offense, hitting above 328 home runs thus far this season. The 300 batting averages post-All-Star break overall for the season were like a 275, but you also have a Royals team that they just flat out can't pitch. I wish I could put it any other way, but they just flat out can't pitch. Everyone in the bullpen is right now supplying it with earth of a 4-5 ERA, so I just don't see what an opener would do in this spot for a guy in Zach Granke who's been actually halfway decent when he's been at home. On the road is where all the issues go. He's 1-14 with a 3.80 home ERA. At home, he's given up about 1.1, 1.2 home runs per nine innings. He doesn't give up a lot of walks. He's giving up hardly more than a walk per nine innings. On the road is where he gets completely lambasted, north of 2.2 home runs per nine innings allowed. He's given up five walks and 16 home runs and 56 and two-thirds innings on the road. His home run to walk ratio is literally three to one right now. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but that's where we're at with Zach Granke, and I do think that for the Toronto Blue Jays, having a pretty sure-handed bullpen, as you already deal with an injury to Eric Swanson, but the likes of Jay Jackson, Jordan Romano being able to give you a sub-3 ERA. You've been able to have Yimmy Garcia be able to pick it up a little bit as well, and I really like Bowden Francis. He's a little bit of a long guy that's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA as well. I think that they should be able to thoroughly dominate this game, so this is a spot where I'm pretty much willing to lay up to a minus 150 with regards to the run line, whether it is Greinke or if it is an opener, and then in after less, going to be taking a look at the over and a 9 or higher to the under. 9-15, on the betting board. It is the Seattle Mariners. They throw their facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays as Aaron Savali goes for the Rays. Brian Wu says woohoo to another start and for Seattle. They are anywhere between about plus 102 to plus 110. Anywhere between minus 119 to minus 125. Your number on Tampa Bay, 8.5 is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. I was willing to go up to a minus
132 with the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, I do think that we're going to be seeing a little bit of regression that is going to be coming to the forefront with Aaron Savali. He has been quite lucky in terms of giving up two runs or fewer in a stretch of, I believe, now 11 out of 13 starts. I mean, yeah, it's been really inducing that soft contact as with a race, the strikeout numbers are up significantly, and that needs to be noted as well, which is why when I take a look at the potential regression for Aaron Savali, I mitigated a little bit because while he was with Cleveland, he was getting about seven strikeouts per nine innings in his six starts with the Tampa Bay Rays, 10.9 strikeouts, so 1.5 walks per nine innings. The Rays, they just know how to be able to get the best out of guys, and they've been able to get that out of Aaron Savali. He's got a 382 ERA, but a 228 fielding independent. He has not been giving up the deep ball all season long, giving up just 0.6 home runs per nine innings. Now, he runs into a little bit of a freight train of an offense with the Seattle Mariners with the way that these guys have been able to hit. Teoscar Hernandez, Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh are all up to at least 24 home runs now with Raleigh up to 27 takes yesterday. Rodriguez up to 28 takes yesterday. Julio Rodriguez right now in the hottest hitters in all of the American League. And Eugenio Suarez has been able to give you about a 330 on base. And I mean, for the Seattle Mariners, the big reason why they have been able to step up recently has been that they've been able to do a better job of hitting for average. The power has always been there for Seattle. It's just always a case of, is this team going to be able to hit for average? And now you've got J.P. Crawford giving you about a 385 on base. Ty France has been a little bit up and down, but he's been doing a relatively okay job on that front as well. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got Harold Ramirez back. He's been able to hit for a 300 for the team for the Tampa Bay Rays, even with Wander Franco on the fold. They've got seven different guys who have been able to give you at least 17 home runs thus far the season. All but two of them are hitting north of a 250 with Isak Paredes leading the way with north of 25 home runs at a 350 on base. And has been able to supply about a 400 on base as well. And they've been giving some more starts recently at the catcher spot to Rene Pinto. And Pinto has been able to take it and run with them. He's been able to hit right around 300. It's been in a little bit of small sample size but home runs in now two out of the team's last four games. So, and it's certainly going to play actually three out of the last four games. So, all the better now with the Tampa Bay Rays. What you do have to be mindful of as well is that the team has just had so many injuries in terms of the pitching staff. Now you've got Jason Adams who's out of the full with regards to the bullpen. You've been able to overcome the likes of Shane McClanahan, Jeffrey Springs, the company being out of the full. But at what point does it become just a little bit too much? You saw Pete Fairbanks, Sean Armstrong in that bullpen being able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Jake Diekman more on a 350 ERA since he's gotten to town. Colin Poucher has been able to do a solid job as well. But on the flip side for the Seattle Mariners, they just have arm upon arm as the likes of Justin Topa, Matt Brash, Andres Munoz, Trent Thornton, you... Throwing there someone like a Taylor Cicado. These guys have all been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. The Seattle Mariners are a top-four team with regards to bullpen ERA. But I do still have my question marks with Brian Wu, who's been able to do a very good job of being able to get strikeouts. And if you take out the fold, his first start as... They really put him in a tight spot as he had to go on the road against the Texas Rangers. He got six outs and he gave up six runs along the way. If you take that out of the fold, he's got an ERA that's more round to four rather than the 450 fielding defending. It's a 419, but I mean, his strikeout numbers have been going down as he's been at the big league level. He's still giving up three walks for nine innings, coming off of giving up five runs on the road against the Cincinnati Reds. And for Brian Wu, it does feel like he's not necessarily quite the same pitcher on the road as he is at home. At home, for Brian Wu, he's been posting up an ERA that's right around about a 450. On the road, it's still a 450, but on the road as well, that's where he gets really loose with it, giving up a little bit north of 3.2 walks per 9.90. So it is a spot where I did set the race at a minus 132. I'm going to be willing to take them on the money line 
as we know in Tampa Bay, it is very much a pitcher's ballpark. So I did sell my total at 8.3. I think that's the folly. He continues to do a good job of holding down the fort. So looking at the under and the race money line. 917, 918 on the main board. It is the Boston Red Sox. And they play also the Baltimore Orioles as Captain Jack Flaherty is going to be on the bump for the Orioles. And Chris Sale goes for Boston. Boston is a favorite of any between minus 145 to a minus 162. Any between plus 122 to plus 138 is your number on Baltimore. 9.5 to 10 is the total on the 10. Under is minus 120. The over is even on the 9.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And with the Orioles, needed at least a plus 133 to be able to fire in on them. And we have gotten there. Now with Jack Flaherty, he has been quite struggling, to say the least, ever since he has gotten to Baltimore. But I just don't believe that with the team that he's got around him that he should be this big of an underdog. For Flaherty, the biggest key is just being able to keep those walks down. Overall for the season between his time with St. Louis and Baltimore, 4.3 walks per nine innings. About a 4.36 field league, depending compared to a 4.84 ERA. Certainly has been a tad bit unlucky on the balls in play thus far this season as his strikeout numbers are there. He has been able to get right around nine strikeouts per nine innings. If you take a look at the batting average on balls in play thus far this season, it's a 3.44. Going to Fenway typically doesn't help out with that, but I mean, there's only one place to go with regards to the closer luck that he has gotten, and that is upward, but you do take a look at this Boston Red Sox lineup, even with Jaron Durham being out of the fold, you still have a lot of guys that have been able to crank up their offense as Boston going into the series, number one team in the big leagues with regards to batting average at home, hovering in that neighborhood about a 282 to a 284, but able to get nice production out of Masataka Yoshida right around about a 345 in terms of his on base as Justin Turner, Tristan Casas, our pair of guys with dearth of 20 home runs, both of these guys doing a very sound job being able to move the line with Casas. He's been able to give you north of a 420 on base ever since the All-Star break. Overall for the season, Justin Turner right around about a 355 on base. Rafael Devers leads away with 29 home runs, so just 11 of them have come at home. He's actually been far better at being able to crank out the deep ball on the road. You need a little bit more out of Trevor Story, but all in all, this is a solid Red Sox offense, and for Baltimore, it's once again one of those teams where the collective is really what's getting it going for the team, as you've got so many guys that they just sit in the neighborhood about a 320 to a 340 on base. Gunnar Anderson, Ryan O'Hearn, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Ramon Urias, along with Austin Hayes, and then just below that, Jordan Westberg is about a 315. They don't necessarily have these superstar guys that are cranking out a whole bunch of homers. Santander and Gunnar Anderson have combined about 50 home runs for these two guys as far as the season, actually closer to 52, but I mean, they just all find a way to be able to work in tandem. Ryan Mountcastle says coming off the injury list has also been a nice contributor as well, hitting north of 330 in that time span, then Adley Rush man at the top. 370 average. He's been able to give you 17 home runs. The team does a good job of platooning between righties and lefties as well. And for the Orioles, though they are going to be without Felix Batista in this one. They still have the upper end with regards to the bullpen as Yanir Cano has been able to supply a sub-2 ERA. They need to get Ore Lopez and Chitero Fujinami online. A pair of guys that have not had great ERAs, but if you look at the advanced numbers, there should be a little bit of positivity, but likes of Danny Colomb being able to give you sub-3 ERAs, solid You've had CNL Perez look a little bit better recently. And for the Boston Red Sox, it's a very average bullpen. Kenley Jansen has actually been halfway decent at the closer spot. And then you've got the likes of Josh Winkowski, along with Brandon Bernadito, giving you a sub-3 ERA. And then I really like Chris Martin. He's been able to give you a sub-2 as well. But for Chris Sale, he's been a very rock-solid pitcher. But I just don't think they should be quite this big of a favorite because you have to question how deep he's going to be able to go in this game. He has just dealt with so many injuries throughout his career ever since he has gotten back in the fold. He has made five starts in total. He has won five innings or fewer in every one of them. He's given up three-plus runs in three out of his last four starts. The overall performance 
it indicates that he has been getting a little bit unlucky. 446 ERA, 367 fielding defender, and I do think that he's much better than the raw ERA numbers are, but he's at this point of his career, only about a five or so inning pitcher. He gets strikeouts. He's been, overall this season, getting you about 11 strikeouts at 2.5 walks for nine innings, but facing the Red Sox is this big of a favorite, something I do not agree with. I think that the whole of the Baltimore Orioles warrants a play here. I was willing to take a plus 133 or higher, so looking at Baltimore on the money line. Did set my total on 9.6. In this case, where it's between a 9.5 and a 10, personally, I look at the 10 under a little bit more than the 9.5 over, as I do think that Flaherty is going to be able to find it a little bit more in this spot. So, looking at that 10 under and looking at the money line of Baltimore. 919-920 on the main board. The Chicago White Sox are on the road facing off against the Detroit Tigers. As for the White Sox, we know that it is going to be old to be determined. Meanwhile, Derek Skubo is on the bump for Detroit, and this game is off the board. We're thinking it's going to be Michael Kopech. I had it as if it was going to be Scooble against Michael Kopech with the Tigers minus 194 on the money line and minus 108 on the run line to where an 8 or less I'd be taking a look at this total over and after higher to the under. If you get a replacement for Kopech, I probably would make the White Sox a few cents worse, but I really can't make them too much worse. That's for Michael Kopech, he leads a leg and walks. He has been all over the place. He's got about a 5 ERA and his fielding dependent is about a point and a half higher. He has been a complete and utter disaster. Not going to go too far into him because we just don't know if he's going to be taking the mound or not. But for Michael Kopech, not a lot of great things to say about him, to say the least. And it has been a rocky season for he and really the entirety of the team. Meanwhile, for Tariq Skubal, he has been able to mow them down all season long. And you want to talk about a guy that... If you look at the advanced numbers, this guy is an absolute darling. How about Mr. Scoobal? 370 ERA compared to a 237 fielding dependent. 10 and a half strikeouts, 1.9 walks per nine innings has been allowing just a half home run per nine innings. I recognize that the sample size is small for Scoobal. Only 11 starts due to the fact that he has spent much of the season on the injured list, but his road ERA is a six. His home ERA, 178. He has been very dominant when he's been in Detroit, and he now gets to go up against a White Sox team that will swing at darn near anything. They and the Kansas City Royals are the dead last teams in the big leagues with regards to walks drawn on a per at bat basis. And for the White Sox, you have one guy on the team that has been able to supply north of a 325 on base, Andrew Benatendi. Now, I will say Luis Robert is getting close as well. Both of these guys are hitting a 271. Robert were on a 324 on base at Eloy Menace. Sitting about at 275, he's been able to give you a double-figure amount of homers as well. And Yomankata starting to step up a little bit as he and Andrew Vaughn in between about a 255 to 265. But when you've got the likes of Lennon Sosa, Gavin Sheets, Oscar Cola sitting below a 230, and Tim Anderson. He's been providing about a 280 on base with no power whatsoever. He's been completely useless for this roster. That's made things rough. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, this is the bottom three team in the big leagues with regards to their runs per game as well. We're starting to see Parker Meadows after a very hot start to his MLB career start to tame down a little bit, though I do love what I'm seeing out of Kerry Carpenter. Kerry Carpenter, about a 360 on base, 20 home runs. You've got Spencer Torkelson at 27-plus home runs as well. Not necessarily the world's greatest batting average, but it's up to about a 320 on base. You do need more out of some of these guys like Akil Badu, Javi Baez, Jake Rogers, Zach Short. All these guys are hitting at 225 or lower, and Riley Green has been missing quite a bit of time recently. That has hurt the scene in terms of being a move line, but for the Detroit Tigers, at the very least, you've got some respectable bullpen pieces. I'm not saying that this is a team that has been absolutely masterful with regards to their bullpen or anything like that, but likes of Jason Foley, Tyler Holton being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, being able to have Alex Lang give you a sub-4 ERA. That's helpful when you've got on the flip side someone like Gregory Santos, who's been supplying a sub-3-5 ERA. Lane Ramsey has been okay, but then you've got the likes of Aaron Bummer, Jimmy Lambert, they're all supplying 
north of a 5 ERA. You just don't have a lot of guys here you're able to trust with this White Sox team, which is why I did set this as such a demonstrative number. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 108 with the Tigers run line, minus 194 on the money line, assuming it is Scoobo versus Kobeck, and not going to get a whole lot better if you get a young guy for the White Sox, and Andrew Luss going to be taking a look at the over 8.5 to the under. 921, 922 on the betting board, another off-the-board game as the Oakland A's they throw the facing off against the Walker, Texas Rangers. 55 shades of John Gray goes for the Rangers, and it's a little undecided who's on the bump for Oakland, which is why this game is off the board. Right now, the thought is Kyle Mueller is going to be on the bump for the Oakland A's, and quite frankly, whoever the Oakland A's throw, this is probably not going to vary too much, but for the Rangers, one to lay up to a minus 134 on the run line, minus 256 on the money line to where a 9.5 or less going to be taking a look at the over at 10 or higher to the under. Very interesting spot with regards to Soto because you got an Oakland A's team that's dead last in the big leagues with regards to runs per game. Zach Giloff has been able to do a solid job hitting a little bit north of a 250 and showing some signs of life. And Ryan Noda on the road has actually been able to provide right around about a 400 on base. This is an A's team that they generate about 3.8 or so runs per game on the road, more like 3.2 runs per game at home. So they've actually been a better road inning team than they have in a home inning team. A lot of that is just due to the ballpark dimensions, but they're also trotting out there a lot of young guys like Trevor Soderstrom, Kevin Smith, Shea Langelaers, Nick Allen, J.J. Blade. These are all guys hitting a 220 or lower. Brent Rooker has been able to hit 23 home runs, and all but eight of them have come on the road. So he's been able to do a nice job, but he's been away from Oakland. But this is a Texas Rangers team that they're also ripping the cover off the ball. They've been able to generate a little bit over six runs per game at home, and they are getting their pieces back at the full. Josh Young, he is still out, but pretty much everyone else they are in, and if you took a look at the lineup that they trotted out there yesterday, all but one of their starters were in north of a 260. They are dealing with Adolis Garcia being in and out of the fold as well, but even with that, I think that they're going to be fine. Corey Seager is giving you a home run every about 14 or so at best. He's been able to 340. And then you've got Nate Lowe, Mitch Garver, along with Ezekiel Duran and Marcus Simeon. All these guys have been able to hit for at least a 275, and all these guys have been able to supply at least 14 home runs as far this season. That is absolutely dominant. So even though you do have those ailments, I think that they're going to be just fine for John Gray. He has been seeing a little bit of a dip with regards to his strikeout numbers this year. And for John Gray, just has not been the same pitcher at home as he has been on the road. Last year, he was getting about 9.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. That's down to about 8.1 punch-outs per 9 innings this season for Gray. About a 385 ERA, really dependent of a 419. And at home, has been supplying a 4.26 ERA compared to a 3.41 ERA on the road with his home runs per nine rate right around 1.3 to 1.4 at home, more like 0.8 on the road. Now, I am seeing on ESPN as well there is some rumblings that perhaps Nathan Avaldi might make this start. I would have to downgrade the Rangers a little bit if Avaldi does make this start because in his last start he got four outs and he gave up four runs against the Houston Astros. That was on Tuesday. I've really got to have my question marks if they're going to try to trot out their Nathan Avaldi because, man, it's not great to say the least. I'd probably be downgrading them at least 20 cents. I mean, at this point, there's just no faith that you can have in Nathan Avaldi. It feels like he's been rushed back, but certainly, even if you do get an Avaldi, it is going to be a spot where I'm going to be placing the Rangers as a big giant favorite. And whether it is Muller or what have you, it's probably going to be a piecemeal game for the Oakland A's. They've been having Muller be a little bit of a piggyback guy 
for this Oakland A's team that still is dead last with regards to bullpen ERA, but they've been looking a little bit better recently. They've been able to get up some guys that are a little bit more trustworthy. Mason Miller is a guy that they had piggyback a couple days ago, so there's excitement there. Some like an Adrian Martinez has been able to give you a little bit of long relief, posting up right around about a five-ish ERA, but in four out of his last five appearances has given up approximately one run with all of them being multiple innings, so this is a spot where if it is Gray versus Muller, up to a minus 134 is what I'm willing to lay on the Rangers. He'd at least a plus 257 to take shot on the A's with a 9.5 or less to the over 10 or higher to the under. Total will stay the same if Nathan Avaldi is out there on the bump, but probably would be setting a little bit of a downgrade in there for the Texas Rangers, says I just don't know what we're going to be able to get out of him. 9-23-9-24 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians are on the road facing off against the LA Angels. Tyler Anderson goes for the Angels, and Lucas Gilito is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is a favorite of between minus 110 to a minus 120. Anywhere between even money and plus 105 is your number on the Angels. NF to 9 is a total on the 9. Under is minus 120, and the over is even on the NF. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. I actually set the Angels as a favorite. I recognize that this is a dead team, but Lucas Giolito is a dead pitcher. For Lucas Giolito, when he has made his 10 starts with the Chicago White Sox at home this year, so in the state of Illinois, he's got a 244 ERA. In all starts made outside the state of Illinois, his ERA is a 651. He has looked just completely horrible ever since getting traded away from Chicago. I have no idea why the Angels acquired him. I have no idea why the Guardians have now acquired him as well. This guy just has not been able to locate away from Chicago. In Chicago, about 2.2 walks per nine innings. More like four walks per nine innings when he's been away from home. And he's given up all sorts of ding-dongs. He's given up darn near two home runs per nine innings. Now, Tyler Anderson has not been the Mona Lisa Vito of pitching himself as He's up to right around about 1.3, 1.4 home runs. Starting for nine innings. So what made Tyler Anderson so good and an all-star while he was with the LA Dodgers last year is that he was giving up only about 1.7 walks per nine innings. That's up to 4.1 walks per nine innings this year. It's gotten a little bit of the short end of the stick. 480 field, you're paying compared to a 555 ERA, but home and road splits are relatively the same. He's been giving up a batting average on balls and play right around about a 315. You figured after the 257 of last year that there would be a little bit of bad luck coming for him, and that certainly has been the case. But the good news for him is that he goes up against the Cleveland Guardians team that is dead last in the big leagues with regards to home runs on a per at-bat and a per-game basis. You do have Josh Naylor back in the fold for Cleveland. That's big. He's been hitting above 315 home runs despite the fact that he missed the entirety of the month of August. Jose Ramirez has been the constant for this team with 21 home runs. But for the Guardians, even when they were second worst in the big leagues with regards to home runs last year, they were still able to make the playoffs because he had so many guys like Will Brandon, Stephen Kwan, Amit Rosario, Andres Metis, Oscar Gonzalez that all hit at least a 270 for the team. The only guy that is currently hitting above a 270 for the team is Stephen Kwan, Will Brandon. They're both at a 271. Ahmed Rosario is no longer with the team. Andres Jimenez is hitting right around 240. Oscar Gonzalez has been nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, for the Angels, they're dealing with Otani and Trout and all those guys being out the fold. But you do have Brandon Drury hitting for 20 home runs. They've called up some of the younger guys to be able to try to give this team a little bit of a lift. They were able to get a nice walk-off winner a few days ago with Kyron Paris being a little bit of a setup man for that. You've had Shunal at the first base spot be able to give you a little bit of on-base as well. So there's a little bit of something to be had there now with the Cleveland Guardians. The good news is they do back up Lucas Giolito with what is still a top eight bullpen in the big leagues. As you've had the likes of Emmanuel Classe, the closer, Angel de los Santos, Trevor Steve, and Eli Morgan all be able to supply a 3-6 ERA or better, but they've been a bottom half of the big league team with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break for the Angels. Post-All-Star break, this has been really the worst bullpen in the American League, not named the White Sox or the Royals, as you've got so many guys out there like 
Aaron Loop, Andrew Wands, that Jimmy Harrigan, these guys that you just can't have any faith in whatsoever. Carlos Aceves has had his issues as well, so it's a very intriguing spot. I did sub my total at 9.4, even with the Angels and the Guardians having a little bit of power issues, just with the starting pitching matchup. I do think that you're going to get runs, so going to be taking a look at the over. I set the Angels as a slight favorite, so going to ride with the Angels on the money line to go along with the over 925-926 on the main board. The New York Yankees play us to the Milwaukee Brewers. Wade Miley hopes to have a party in New York for the Brewers, and Michael King, the King, is on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees are between minus 139 to minus 148 favorites. They're between plus 122 to plus 128 is your number on Milwaukee, with 8.5 to 9 being the total. On the 8.5, overs minus 115 to minus 125. Unders between minus 105 to a plus 105 on the 9. Unders minus 120. The overs even. I did some. I totaled at a 9.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Needed at least a plus 114 to take a shot on the Brewers, so we are going to be doing so here. Is Wade Miley doing for regression? Oh, you bet he is. For Wade Miley, 333 ERA. He has really been doing it in smoke and mirrors all season long. 492 fielding defended, 5.8 strikeouts and 2.7 walks per nine innings, while allowing 1.4 home runs per nine innings. He has been incredibly fortunate all year long that the home runs that he's given up have been solo shots, what have you. And he's actually got a 302 road ERA compared to a 358 home ERA. He's reduced on the deep ball when he's been on the road, giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings when he has been on the road. But you do have to have your question marks with Michael King becoming a starter. Now, for the King, he actually had a really nice start against the Houston Astros. As he went out in that start. He gave up one run in five innings. And in the three starts that he has made recently, starting with that Washington Nationals game, he's won a combined 11 and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, one of which was earned. He's been able to maintain his strikeout stuff, getting about a strikeout per inning. So he's actually looked halfway decent there. And he does get to go up against the Milwaukee Brewers team that it's not like they've been clobbering the ball all season long as well for the Milwaukee Brewers. Plus, also break, there's still a bottom five team in the big leagues with regards to home runs on a per at-bat and a per-game basis, but they have been able to do a much better job recently with getting a nice breath of fresh life out of Willie Adamas. He's been able to provide right around about a 350 on base over the last 30 days. Christian Yelich, William Contreras at the top of the fold. They've been able to give you combined 32 home runs. Both of these guys a north of a 275, and as a matter of fact, Adamas went deep again yesterday, so that's been helpful. Life Mark Canna. Mark Cannon is just one of those guys that knows hitting as he, Andrew Maricetio, they've been able between about a 262 and 270 this season. I think that he's been able to help this team out alongside Freelich getting called up. And for the Yankees, they just need to find guys that are able to get on base as Anthony Volpe, John Carlos Sanchez, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Peraza, Austin Wells, Jake Bowers. You just go down the list of guys hitting at 218 or lower. Now, with Volpe, Stanton, obviously, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge, these are all guys give you 20-plus home runs, and you saw Dominguez. He's hitting a 300, and he went deep for the fourth time in like a week yesterday, so that's been very helpful, but still, this is a Yankees team that ever since Aaron Judge went down with that injury in Los Angeles on June 4th, they have been dead last in the big leagues with regards to batting average, bottom two in the big leagues with regards to runs per game, and we have seen the bullpen start to falter a little bit more. You still have Tony B, Kane Lee, Clay Holmes, Holmes, guys like this, be able to provide a sub-3-5 ERA. I do like what Wani Peralta has been able to provide 
as well. But for the Brewers, you do have a very nice fearsome foursome. As the Brewers, number two in the National League with regards to bullpen area ever since the All-Star break. You've got your closer in Devin Williams, but Joel Pionce, Abner Uribe, Hobie Milner, I've been able to give you a sub-2-5 ERA. Do I think that we are going to see Wade Miley give up some runs here? Yes, but I do think that the Brewers get to King. I do think that the Brewers do enough to be able to support Mr. Miley out there in a ballpark that, as we know, has a short porch, set by total at 9.2, looking at the over. And anything above a plus 114 won't take the Brewers on the money line. 927-928 on the bank board. The Minnesota Twins play us to the New York Mets. David Peterson, no relation, is on the bump for the Mets, and Kenta Maeda is on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota is a favorite of any between minus 142 to a minus 155. Between plus 124 to a plus 133 is your number on the Metropolitans. A and F is the total. The over is between minus 115 to a minus 120. Under is between even and minus 105. I said our namesake, Mr. Peterson, at a plus 176. I think that it's really a uphill battle. And if you take a look at David Peterson, he just has not been the same pitcher on the road as he has been at home. And he has been legitimately unlucky this year. 473 failed independent compared to a 540 ERA. He does a good job of being able to get strikeouts. He's been able to get right around 9.7 strikeouts for nine innings. Walks have been pretty ghastly with him. He's been giving up 4.2 walks for nine innings. But the biggest issue that he's got is just pitching away from New York. 318 home ERA, 774 ERA on the road. And on the road, he's giving up north of two home runs per nine innings, about 0.8 home runs per nine innings in New York, which is pretty much a notoriously pitcher-friendly ballpark. Meanwhile, for Kenta Maeda, he was looking like one of the better pitchers of baseball when he was coming off the injured list. That has come back to earth a little bit as he has given up three-plus runs in each out of his last four starts. Now, if you're looking for a good thing, he has given up three runs or fewer, and I believe now like nine out of his last ten starts as you take a look at what Maeda has been able to do ever since he has come off the injured list. He's made 13 total starts, three runs or fewer, given up in 12 of them. Overall, 372 ERA compared to a 398 field independent. He has been giving up the deep ball. He's been giving up about right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings, so that has been cause for concern, but he also has been able to get north of 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings as well. Now, he does have to face off against a Mets team that has Pete Alonso slugging out north of 40 home runs, and for the Mets, their batting average actually rises by nearly 20 points when they are on the road rather than when they are at home, as they do play in one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks that you're going to find in the big leagues, but they do need to just work on the bottom of the fold. As for the New York Mets, when you've got guys like a Brett Batty, Tim LeCastro, Jonathan Aruz, Mark Ventino, it's all hitting at 220 or lower. That's rough, and Francisco Alvarez is also hitting at 215. 20-plus home runs out of him. Francisco Lindor has done a good job of being a move line as well, but that does make it a little bit of an issue for the team, and for the Minnesota Twins, they're averaging north of 5.6 runs per game ever since the All-Star break. You still could use a little bit more average out of some of your home run hitters as Michael A. Taylor, Carlos Correa, Max Kepler, Byron Buxton, and Joy Gal have all been able to give you at least 16 home runs as far this season, and Really, with Max Kepler, he's the only of these guys that's hitting above 230. But Royce Lewis, what he's been able to do, he's got three grand slams in the last two weeks, hitting above a 300. Edward Julian has been able to give you about a 375 on base. Donovan Solano has been able to give you 375 on base. These guys have been instrumental to the Minnesota Twins' success. And the Twins, they had a little bit north of 20 points better when they're at home rather than on the road. For the Twins, bullpen has been having some excursions. Brock Stewart being out of the fold has really hurt this team. And Caleb Theobar hasn't been quite himself since coming out the injury list. But Griffith Jackson, Milo Bagan, sub-3-5 ERAs. And then Yuan Doran, he's been able to be a very solid closer. And... It's more than what the Mets are able to provide, as the Mets may have been a bottom 10 team with regards to bullpen ERA all season long. Brooks Raley has done a solid job being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, but you can tell that the strain of the season is starting to get to him, and 
There's really not a lot of places that you're able to turn for this team as Vinny Natoli has been able to give you some solid innings, but the likes of Trevor Gott, Grant Hartwig, Jeff Brigham, you go down the list of guys with north of a 4-5 ERA, and it is pretty rampant with regards to this team. Phil Bickford has had nearly a 7 ERA, so I do think that you've got a lot of issues here for the New York Mets, and I do think that the Twins, they're going to be able to jump aboard Peterson where he has really struggled. That would be on the road, so I did set my total at 8.8 looking at the over, and with the Minnesota Twins, if you look at their run line, laying a run and a half, you're going to get right around a plus 140, so we won't take anything above plus 115, so we're going to have that Twins run line to go along with the over, and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the bang board. The Houston Astros play as the San Diego Padres. Seth Lugo goes for the pods, and Christian Javier is on the bone for Houston. Houston is a favorite between minus 130 to a minus 140, any between plus 110 to a plus 120 is your number on San Diego. Nine is the total. Under is minus 115 to a minus 110. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 105. And for Houston, I did set them at a minus 128. So at that minus 126, I'm seeing that's a max I'd be willing to lay if you are taking a look at the run line as well. Laying a run and half, you're able to get right around about a plus 150 or so. We need a little bit more of a plus number there as well as Seth Lugo has been a pretty steady guy. And when he doesn't have to face off against the LA Dodgers, He's been pretty good this season. As the Dodgers, they have completely terrorized him. But for Seth Lugo, he gets just under nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's been giving up in the neighbor about 1.8, 1.9 walks per nine innings. He's got a fielding independent of 368, 349 ERA. So he's been able to do a relatively sustainable job for the team. And for Seth Lugo, he's been able to do a good job on the road as well. He's got a 327 ERA compared to a 372 ERA at home. Meanwhile, for Christian Javier, he has been truly a big, giant mess. Last year, Javier, he was doing a nice job. He'll be able to get a lot of swings and misses with north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings. That's down to 8.3 strikeouts per nine innings. It's up to a 465 ERA, and the field independent is a 476. It tells you that this is not really a mirage or anything like that. And for Javier, I mean, first few months of the season, he was actually very good. Going into early June, he had a sub-3 ERA, and it all went sideways from there. From June 9th on, so his last 14 starts, 6.52 ERA, 5.95 fielding, depending, giving up about 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings. I've heard from some people that the movement on his pitches just has not been the same recently. And if you take a look at this Houston Astros lineup, it has been one that has bailed him out quite a bit because in this string, he's won eight and six, actually. So that's actually been very nice. And if you reduce it down to his last 12 starts, the team is eight and four in them. So even though he's been pretty awful, to say the least, the team has been able to bail him out because for Houston, they've been the top scoring team in the American League since the beginning of the month of June as You've got Alex Bregman, who's been able to do a very solid job, giving you north of a 365 on base. The batting average has not necessarily been there, but he's been able to do a nice job getting on base. And that allows those home runs that Kyle Tucker, along with Jordan Alvarez, have been able to provide to be more like two-run shots, three-run shots, both Alvarez and Tucker have been able to give you north of a 375 on base. Alvarez is up to 25-plus home runs, along with Tucker. Jose Altuve has been able to give you a four-run on base. He had a game earlier this week where he went deep in the first, second, and third innings. And if you take a look at the lineup that they trotted out there against the San Diego Padres on fr- Friday, they had all but three of their players hitting north of a 264 as well. They've really done a nice job of being able to honor some gems like a Yenier Diaz, who's been able to pound out 20-plus home runs in for the San Diego Padres. So Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, all being able to do their thing, all giving you at least 20 home runs. But Tatis Jr., about like 
Six home runs ever since the All-Star break, hitting below a 250 cents a break. Juan Soto's been falling off with regards to his on-base. Luis Campisano is someone I like, and they're going to be seeing more of him with Gary Sanchez being out of the fold. He's been able to hit north with 300, but you still have quite a few guys like Rude Odor, Trent Grisham, Matt Carpenter, these guys that have been hitting at 225 or lower. Jake Cronenworth is in that fold. Matthew Patton. They just have not been able to give you a lot, and that's a big reason why the Padres have had a tough time generating runs. The bottom of the fold has not been able to help out the top, even with Hassan Kim being able to give you right around about a 365 on base. It's fallen off a little bit recently, but on all has been solid. And for the Padres, about a league average bullpen. Steven Wilson has not been the same since coming off the injury list, and the injury to Domingo Tapia really hurt them. Though Luis Garcia is rounded into form, and you've got Josh Hader, one of the best closers in the big leagues. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, they're not quite the same bullpen as they were last season. They were number one with regards to their bullpen ERA, but you still have quite a few guys that have been trustworthy out of this bullpen as Brian Abreu, Kendall Graven, who they picked up at the trade deadline, Hector Neris, Phil Maton. These are big guys that have been able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. So an interesting spot here at a minus 128 or less. I'm going to be willing to lay with the Astros. If this becomes a spot where we're able to get a plus 130 on the Padres, so I would be willing to take that in. With this total, I did set it at a 9 because I do think that Javier is going to be ahead in this spot, and I certainly do think that the Astros are going to be able to get to Lugo in that bullpen as well. So looking at the 9 over, I want to lay up to a minus 128 on the Astros money line, and that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever, before this podcast, you do have one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way, that's fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review, and I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow, and a big thanks to Danny Vietti for joining me in segment number two. Thank you so much, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 